Gracious Father, we feel the uh, chill in the air. And we are reminded, uh, Father, that uh, life is about seasons. Times in our life when we need to uh, be still, to wait, to listen. Times in our life, Father, when we need to act. Times in our lives, Father, when we uh, are broken and times when you mend us. We pray, O oh Lord, in this uh, season of Thanksgiving as we approach uh, next Sunday, that our hearts will be turned to the many blessings that you have given us. That each day, Father, we would, uh, we would come before your throne of grace and give you thanks, especially for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Today, Father, in our, in our lessons, in our, in our sermon, in our scriptures, we are looking at the gift of salvation. We thank you, O Lord, that that gift given to us by your grace, Father, is a gift that is available to all. And we pray this morning that each one of us has accepted that gift, Father, and made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that, Father, uh, our lives will be uh, uh, turned around so that we might face your glory, your light, and your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And amen. Again, our affirmation of faith is from 1 Timothy. And I will begin. There is one God and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all to whom we testify. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in throughout the world, Taken up in glory, great indeed is the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Please join me in the prayer for guidance. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. The scripture today is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we, were, we still were sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
The greatest challenge in preparing a sermon, especially one where you're talking about salvation, is to uh, not get bogged down in certain areas. Uh, salvation is a subject that we can come at from many different angles. And so I've really tried to focus on the idea of the gift of salvation. What does it mean that God has given us this gift, this uh, gift that would look much like this? I don't know about you, but uh, I've had an experience in my life where I've given somebody a gift, something I was excited about, something I thought they should be excited about, and they basically ignored it. Uh, and, you know, it got re-gifted. Anybody ever been part of a group at the last church I was at, they would always around Christmas have the classes would get together and they'd do these gift exchanges where then you give the gift to somebody else. You keep doing that because you're rejecting that gift. Maybe you've been hurt sometime by a gift that you gave uh, to, uh, to someone in your family, someone you loved, and, and uh, they just ignored it. That's really common with children. You think you're giving them the best thing in the world. I built a dollhouse for one of my girls one time, and boy, I was up uh, Christmas Eve night still building that thing after midnight. Had My brother was with me, and we were sitting there watching old movies, all the old movies on Christmas night, and I'm still working on getting that thing painted. It was beautiful. It was great, and I was so excited, and we lived in a house that had a great room, and you came out of your bedrooms up there, and there was a railing so you could see down into the great room, so I had it right in the middle there, and she just went right past it. She wanted, you know, she just like ignored the whole thing. Very hurt. And so I wonder, uh, you know, if that isn't the situation with God in heaven, that he has set out this gift uh, for us. This, this gift that's free. And by the way, when we say a free gift, we're being a bit redundant because by definition, a gift is free. Okay, if you attach a price to it, it's not, it's not a gift anymore. And so uh, God offers us this gift but we don't have to accept the gift. But there are many people who kind of open it and peek in and get a little sense of what it's about. And they say, oh yeah, thank you. And that's the end of it. And they go off and never pay any attention. And one day somebody will say to them, they'll come knocking on their door and say, hey, I'm with such and such church and we're just going around canvassing the neighborhood, uh, finding out if people have a church or, you know, do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Uh, yeah, back, I think I was 18 and I was at something called a revival, and um, I remember they asked at the end for people to close their eyes and to pray a prayer. And I prayed the prayer, so yes, yes, I've, I've received the gift. For some people, it's, that's all there is to it. That's it. I think that's a, a, a really dangerous place to be. Uh, in, in actuality, it's something that was confronted by John Wesley when he began the Methodist movement was this idea that people believed that if they were wealthy, that God was blessing them, and he was blessing them because he had saved them. He had chosen them for salvation. And he looked about, and he saw a lot of people who basically, enjoying the riches, going through the formalities of religion, but not having the heart of religion. And he saw other people who had nothing to do with the church and religion because they were poor coal miners and obviously God did not select them to be saved or they would be wealthy and blessed. And so he looked at this and said, something's really wrong with this. And he began to go through the scriptures and he, he, uh, he developed a, what we call Wesleyan theology today, which says that it's not only to be presented with the gift or to touch the gift or to have just a little taste of the gift, but it is actually pulling everything out of that box 
that God has given you. The Holy Spirit is part of the gift of salvation. With salvation comes the gift of the Holy Spirit. With salvation comes blessings and promises and hopes that God gives us in Scripture. Jesus made no secret that if you were going to be part of his, uh, of his company of the saved, that there were some things he, he thought should happen, such as take up a cross and follow him. Not simply have your name on some church's roll someplace that you haven't been to in 30 years but to actually follow Jesus. When the rich young ruler wants to know, how do I attain eternal life? Jesus says to him, well, tell me what you've done. He said, well, from the beginning, from my childhood, I've obeyed all the commandments. And Jesus said, well, you've done well. One other thing you need to do, because he knew the young man's heart, and he knew that this would separate him from the lordship of Jesus Christ, that that he would not be able to be obedient to Jesus because his God was his riches. So he says to the young man, one more thing you need to do. Go sell everything you've got. Get rid of that, those chains that are holding you back from following me and come and follow me. Give everything to the poor. Get rid of the stuff that's holding you back from following me. And then you have uh, in Matthew 25 when people come and they know Jesus. They probably have, have, have acknowledged him in some sense as their Lord, but they come and they say, Lord, didn't we do great things in your name? Didn't we, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? And Jesus says, you know, get out of my sight. I never knew you. You didn't, you didn't know me as Savior. And that brings us to the thing about that salvation that God is offering us. It's about a relationship. It's not simply the standalone thing over here, but when you accept the gift, you are accepting a relationship with God. And that relationship flows on through our lives to the very end when, we, when, when Jesus returns for us, when Jesus comes and makes us part of his forever kingdom. Um, there, there, so many scriptures speak to this and, and um, this... Uh, this idea that we are in something much deeper than simply uh, praying a sinner's prayer. Uh, Philippians 12, uh, Paul says to the Thessalonians, I mean, I mean to the Philippians, the church at Philippi, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, there's a dangerous place here when we read this scripture. A lot of people are overly secure in their salvation, believing that they prayed the sinner's prayer, therefore, once saved, always saved, that's all they had to do. And other people are so fearful that they're not saved that they live their lives in in, in constant worry before God. Have I done enough? Have I earned God's approval? And that is a misreading of what, the, what is being said here. Because verse 13 following, after he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good pleasure. And that was a key that Wesley saw that differentiated this idea is that you're earning your salvation, that you're, you're paying off the gift, versus you have received the gift and now God is working in you. And so Wesley talked about the grace that goes before. He called it prevenient grace. The grace that was there even when you didn't know God that led you to God. So you can't even claim credit for coming to God because God was at work 
even before you knew him. Allowing you to come to a point where you could make that decision. Will I or will not, will I not have Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And he, he likened it to a house where you come up onto the porch. And when, you, when God has brought you to this porch and there's a door in front of you. And if you open the door, that is the door of faith. It's a door where you let God in. And so God in his saving grace now has you among, among the saved. But then there's another place in that house even deeper. And that is the place of sanctification. That's the place of perfecting love. That's the place where you grow in Christ and you use the gifts that he gives you. And you grow in him. Wesley saw every Christian life should follow that pattern. That we acknowledge that it was God who brought us to him, to that place. It was God who opened the door of faith for us. And it was God who equipped us for good works. And that is a sign of a saved person. The, um, uh, the blessings that we have in that box. Let's go back to the box there. I found somebody had come up with a list. Of 53 things that are in that box. Okay. When we're talking about salvation. We're talking about God. God attaching to that salvation. A number of different things. Number one, when we come and we accept the grace, the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ, Christ, then we have access to God's grace. Uh, Ephesians two eighteen says, "Through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father." So through Jesus Christ, we now have access in our prayers to God the Father. Number two, we are adopted by God. Number three, we get an inheritance. And he's got scriptures backing all these up. Number four, we are elected or we are saved. Number five, we become a child of God. You say, well, I thought that everybody who is created is a child of God. Well, Jesus differentiates. He talks about children of the devil and, and, the, and the children of God. That the children of God are those who have accepted this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. It says, we become servants, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. We become a new creature. We become priests. Did you know you were a priest? I know there are churches out there that say to the women here, you can't be a priest. But, the scriptures tell us, First Peter tells us, that you are priests, that we are a holy priesthood in Jesus Christ. You are reconciled to God. Whatever held you back from being united with God before has been eliminated because of, of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are sanctified. We are made holy through Jesus Christ. We are accepted uh, by God. We are baptized into the body of Christ. We are buried with Christ in that baptism. And we have put on Christ. We have eternal life. We have become friends of God. Our name is in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I'm just up to number 20 there, but you get the idea. There's a lot of things in that gift of salvation that come along with that. And so the very idea that somehow uh, it's just a get of get out of hell free card that you, you put away. You know how it is at Christmas time. You, you've all done it. You take something, you put it on the shelf, and maybe a few years later you say, oh, where, where did that come from? Well, that was the gift from Aunt Susie. You know? Gee, we never even opened it. 
you know, and, and, and you go and look at that. Well, a lot of people, that's the way it is. They had this some experience and they, they, they prayed a prayer and they thought that was all there was to it and they, put, and they put the gift on the shelf. That they might need it someday in some situation, but not, it's not going to change their everyday life. There's a, a great story out there. It's, it's been around uh, since Charles Dickens and it's been retold in a lot of different ways. Uh, the more modern contemporary version of this is the young man who uh, he was uh, graduating from college and his parents uh, uh, had bought him a present and he uh, was excited because he was going over to their house to see them and he was sure that the present was going to be the keys to a brand new car. He had his eyes on this particular car. It was a big thing to graduate from college. I know when my, my brother and sister graduated from high school, they got, a, they got the gift of a car. I did not. My parents overlooked me in the middle. They sort of forgot about that. They were busy at that time. But um, years later, they offered me a free car because they realized they had not given me a car. But I told them I was better off not having them give me the car of their choice and all. So anyways, I'm, I'm going back. This is now, this is, y'all are my counselors now and I'm, just letting some of this out. I always say that I was perfectly fine with it, but I think about it constantly that I did not get that car. So this young man has that same feeling. He goes over to the house, and instead the parents have this gift wrapped up for him. It's not a car. <laughs> and he opens it up, and it's a Bible. Beautiful leather Bible with his name in Boston and all. And uh, he looks at it, and his heart just sinks. This is what my parents, my wealthy parents, this is what they have given me. And he sets it aside. And he puts it on the shelf. And years, uh, years later, he's, he's really kind of been separated from his parents. He's gone off into his career. He's moved across the country. And uh, he's thinking about maybe visiting them. He needs to visit them. He's heard that his dad is ill. But by the time he gets home... Uh, his dad has died. And so he kind of, he's wandering through the house. He goes into his old room and he sees that Bible still on that shelf. And he goes over to it and he, he opens it up. And it's the scripture that says, you know, that if, if your father knows how to give you a, a good gift, don't you think your father in heaven would give you <laughs> a good gift? And when he opens it up and reads that, there's a, some keys. The keys to the car. Now, this story is told in a lot of different ways, but the point of it is that very often God has things in that box that we don't even realize. If we knew everything that was in that box, how that would change our lives, how it would change our relationships, not only with God, but with each other. If we would know that, certainly we would open it and rejoice. But instead, we, we treat it with disdain or just as, as something that's just common and unexceptional. But what God did for us in Jesus Christ on that cross and giving us that gift of salvation is far more than just that get out of hell free card. It's, it's far more than fire insurance and all those things people will talk about it as. It is a gift that will affect every moment and every day of your life. Uh, this morning, I was there like I was really worried about the sermon. And... Uh, and you can see why. But uh, I was worried about it because I was afraid that I was going to miss the point. 
go off in, in some strange direction, talking about how my parents didn't give me a car or something. And, and uh, anyway, so I did what I've done many times in my life or many times on a Sunday morning before church. I opened up the Bible and just let it where it may, uh, fall where it may. And uh, in this case, it came to Second uh, Thessalonians, the first chapter, a letter of Paul. And I began to read, Brothers and sisters, we must always thank God for you. This is only right because your faithfulness is growing by leaps and bounds. Now, do you notice that? He's thankful that their faith is growing, and not just growing, but growing by leaps and bounds. He isn't saying, I'm thankful that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, period, end of story, but that it continues to to well up in you that faith that you have placed in Jesus Christ. And the love that all of you have for each other is increasing. That's why we ourselves are bragging about you in God's churches. We tell about your endurance and your faithfulness in all the harassments and trouble that you have put up with. This shows that God's judgment is right and that you will, you will be considered worthy of God's kingdom. Now, I want to say something here. You say, okay, he just said worthy of God's kingdom. That means somehow they're earning this, right? This is works righteousness. They are somehow doing this on their own. I'm going to tell you there's not a single thing that Bob Weeks can do to earn his salvation. But I tell you what, if I surrender to God, God can do things through me that are worthy of salvation. Every work, everything that is of any value that I do is only because of God's grace and God's Holy Spirit and God's power in me. The things that I do on my own count for nothing. Scriptures say they're like filthy rags, Paul says, in comparison to the things that God does in and through you. And so he is rejoicing that these people uh, are living lives that he believes will uh, make them worthy of God's kingdom. After all, it's right for God to pay back the ones making trouble for you with trouble and to pay back you who are having trouble with relief along with us. In other words, he's saying God is involved in your daily lives. All these troubles that you're having, God is relieving them. And then he says that when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels... He will give justice with blazing fire to those who don't recognize God and don't obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the Lord's presence and away from His mighty glory. This will happen when He comes on that day to receive honor from His holy people and to be admired by everyone who has believed. And our testimony to you was believed. We are constantly praying for you for this, that our God will make you worthy. Our God will make you worthy. Not that you will work to make yourselves worthy, but that our God will make you worthy of His calling and accomplish every good desire and faithful work by His power. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored by you and you will be honored by Him consistent with the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is what John Wesley was reading passages in scriptures like this. And there are many passages that give you that same idea that it is God's work in you that is producing fruit of the kingdom. It's His Holy Spirit in you, the fruit of which is what? Love and peace and joy, long-suffering, the ability to endure through trouble. All those things come through His Holy Spirit so that none of us can take any credit For that salvation that we have, it is the gift of God. 
I'm going to close here with just a personal, uh, another instance of a time. I, I believe in God's Word. I believe in the Bible. I believe in opening the Bible. And I believe that God's Holy Spirit directs us so that we can see things in God's Word, even if it is a scripture that we have read a thousand times before, we will find something new in it, and some strength will come out of that. And so, uh, and I've shared this with you, but uh, the the most remarkable time in my life was, was when I was in the pit of despair, had been for several months, mourning the death of my parents, and I I felt alone, and I felt uh, uh, unattached. Suddenly, God felt distant, and I didn't know uh, what to do. And I was... uh, uh, Exhausted. Any of you who have ever been in depression, you know that feeling of exhaustion. And I would come home from work. I would make it through work and I would come home and immediately I would go to sleep. And then, you know, you can't sleep but so long, so at two in the morning or so I would wake up. And I I would be, uh, my mind would be racing and, and, and I couldn't make sense of anything. And I remember after going through that for a few months, uh, how I, I went into uh, our living room this little house on our farm, and um, I sat down, and I just looked up at, the, up at this bookcase, and there was a Bible. There weren't any car keys in it, by the way. But I went, and I said, Lord, if you're going to save me, save me now. Tell me something that I need to hear. And the Bible opened up, and over on that left-hand side was Psalm 91. And if you're familiar with Psalm 91, uh, it's David talking about how uh, rough his life is, how his life has uh, deteriorated. I think I'll use the Bible here. I had it written down. Uh, you know, David had some rough times, if you know the story of David. And he had times when there was rebellion against him, times when he was hiding in caves to save his life. I say to the Lord, you are my refuge, my stronghold. You are my God, the one I trust. You will save me from the hunter's trap and from deadly sickness. You will protect me. And give me refuge under your wings. Your faithfulness is a protective shield. I will not be afraid of terrors at night. Or sickness that prowls in the dark. And I read that. I will not be afraid of the terrors at night. Which is what I was having. And it kept ringing in my head. And I I said, Lord, I need you. I need you to protect me because I feel so lost. And I felt like I was in a pit that there was no escape from. And how do you live in a pit like that? And so I just prayed to him. And I've told people, because I have a counseling degree, this is not good counseling. You don't say to people, hey, all you got to do is read Psalm 91 and all your problems are done with. But God works according to his own will and his own way and his own timing. And he chose at that moment to lift me out of the pit and to bring me back to the land of the living. And that, that moment in my life uh, 
was a key to everything that has come since. The gift of God's word. He saved me in that moment. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about salvation, folks. We always attribute it to saved from hell. Or saved to eternity. Some distant thing. But the salvation of God is past, present, and future. He will redeem our past. He will redeem our present. And he will redeem our future. And he can save us from everything that can be thrown at us by the powers of hell. And I believe that. And so, uh, why should I worry? Why should I fret? The Lord God Almighty isn't done with me yet. And I pray that is how it is with you too this day. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your saving power that can save us in every day and every moment of our lives. Father, we pray a prayer of thanks for the gifts that you have given us, especially the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that can live in us, the Christ who, in baptism, we were buried with and raised to new life, the Christ who, Father, is able to do all things, everything that is needed for us to live this life to your glory. Father, we pray this day that we will humble ourselves before your throne. If we have wandered away from you, if we have forgotten and and put on the shelf that gift of salvation, Lord, we pray this day that we would go back and open that gift again and pray, Father, that you would fill us with the power of your spirit, with the assurance of your salvation, that we may trust in you in all things. This we pray in the almighty name of Jesus, and amen. I was just thinking, and I left this out, uh, this little illustration of uh, the nature of God's gift of salvation, uh, how he gives it to us uh, with no strings attached. When I was at the University of Richmond, my freshman year of college, uh, we had a guy down the hall from me who stayed in his room through the whole semester, smoking weed, uh, drinking, and just lounging about. His dad was a wealthy lawyer up in New York. And he had paid, given his son the gift of a free college education. And that's what the son did with it. And at the end of the semester, he went back home having had his college experience. Uh, You know, lots of parents offer that free gift to their children and uh, uh, have an expectation of what they're going to do with that gift. I pray this morning that as we leave this place that we would make a commitment to God to say, God, I'm not going to disrespect, I'm not going to waste I'm not going to in any way show disdain for that gift of salvation that was bought for me at the price of the life of your son, Jesus Christ. But I will honor you and glorify you and do all that you enable me to do. That everybody around me will see your light shining through me. I pray that we go this day with that prayer in our hearts. And amen.